0: There we go. So anyone, uh, one more time, needs the, the notes? If you leave yours at home, forget to bring them, that's okay, I have extra copies. There you go, yeah, no problem. I heard a comment, yeah, I a copy. <laughs> <laughs> We had studied uh, last week, we kind of introduced the uh, attributes uh, uh, of God with, with the person of God, and we talked about God and his relation to space, Uh, which is called his immensity. And uh, that's challenging, isn't it? Like all of these will be, to consider the fact that while God is outside of space and he created space, and yet he fills all space. And so our mind says, well, (laughs) which is it? You know, well, it's both. I mean, that's the glory of of our God, that he's not contained within the space that he created, and we must not think of it in terms of that, but we also must not think of him as being absent at any place from the creation that he made. I was just, you know, meditating more on that this past week. And, you know, just those moments where you're on your way to work and you're, you know, thinking about things that just kind of hits you. I was really blessed by, by that particular thought uh, throughout this week. With the fact that the presence of God is imminent, he fills all of his creation. There's no part of his creation that does not do. and um, and it's not part of God in creation. Don't think of God in, in, as, you know, part of God is in nature, and part of God is in the animal creation, part of God is in space somewhere, you know, God is one, God is undivided, so all of God is present at all times and all places, so uh, very challenging, so but that's not the only challenge we have. Uh, we're going to look at a couple more this morning, and uh, the next one is uh, related to God and time, God with relation to time, and, uh, you know, reason and logic, if, if you think about it, they, they search backward in time for the one uncreated, uncaused beginning of all things. You know, we're, we're, mankind are designed to do that, to search out our beginnings. And for the Christian mind, our our mind can finally and fully settle on the fact that Jehovah, God of the Scriptures, is that one eternal, uncreated uh, beginning, uh, beginning point. And uh, in fact, Genesis 1:1, 1, 1, God's first words to us written are, "In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth." Not the beginning of God. Not in the beginning of God, he created the heavens and the earth, but in the beginning of the known creation. And so God was obviously before the creation that he might begin it. And, uh, and so on your notes there, I just put that the infinity of, of God with reference to uh, time is called his eternity, his eternity. By this, we mean that God's nature is without beginning or end, he is free from all succession of time, And contains in itself the cause of time. God had no beginning. He will have no end. He's free from, not limited by or within, succession of time, as we are. And God's nature contains within it, if we might use those terms, the cause of time. So time did not exist prior to it being created by God. So those are kind of the thoughts we'll wrap our mind around to begin with. All right, as I've done in the past, I'd like to ask a few people to have some scripture. So if someone would read Psalm 90, verses 1 and 2, Psalm 91 and 2, and if someone else would have Psalm 102, verses 25 through 27, whenever you get to Psalm 91 and 2, go ahead with that, if you would. The planet knows it's
1: the man of God you have been our own place in all the before the mountains
0: were brought forth, forever you have flamed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting. So the familiar uh psalm there in those verses it, it describes God as being from everlasting to everlasting. And so I take that uh, in the sense that everlasting means uh you know from points to eternity past and to everlasting points to eternity future. So from our vantage point right now we can look back to eternity past and God was there always. And we can look forward to eternity future and God will be there always. From everlasting to everlasting. And uh, so I have to ask the question uh, when did God begin? (laughs) The obvious And hopefully easy question to answer. Easy in the sense that you know the answer already, but not easy to consider uh, in the sense that there's nothing to compare him to in all creation. We know God had no beginning, and so the answer to the question is he didn't begin, he always existed. There never was a time that he did not exist. Uh, And again, for God to, to ever be is a challenge for us because there is no other being whatsoever that, that can be spoken of. He is, he is the I am, the ever present. I, I have always existed. I will always exist. So you
1: have to understand God and make it real. I can't really grasp eternality. Can grasp uh, finite time, as Moses declares, man is seven years, maybe eight. and by way, God is not that. Right? Right. In reverse for the name. Mm-hmm.
0: By the contrast, I I mean, yeah, and see, and see, yeah, we really do. I mean, it said in Isaiah, uh, I believe it was forty or maybe forty-five. You know, you know what likeness will you compare me you know there's just no comparison whatsoever so that is the, the, uh, an excellent way maybe one of the best ways that we can learn about that is to compare to ourselves but comparing to ourselves not with our own thoughts but with the thoughts of the bible right um, as we've talked about before all right well along those lines uh, somebody has psalm 102 25 to 27 You had the foundations of the earth and the heavens were the work with your hand. It will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. By clothing, you will change them, and they will be discarded. But you remain the same, and your years will never end. The children of your servants
1: will live in your presence. To I think
0: that's exactly what Jay was talking about That that contrast of of our limitations, our finitude and God's infinity, you know, everything, including the creation, people and creation, everything has a tendency to wear out. As the psalmist says there, it it tends toward deterioration. Of course, a lot of that is a result of the fall, but God certainly created the universe, if you, and the earth in particular, to have a, a life cycle, right? I mean, it's it's moving, it's changing, it's doing what he intends for it to do to, to supply man with blessings and benefits throughout all human history. And so we must we <laughs> think of those things as perishing. You know, they don't endure, they wear out like a garment. You know, this, this jacket that I have on is, is, you know, I don't know how many years old it is, but it's holding up okay. But if we looked at this jacket 100 years from now, it would look very different. Uh, it's not going to endure. uh, But God is not subject to the limitations of time. He's not affected by time. He doesn't wear out. He he doesn't mold and shape and modify over time. He's ever the same. And uh, so that's a big challenge for us to to consider. uh, He who never changes. All right, further... More, if someone would read Isaiah forty four six. Isaiah forty four six, and then a New Testament uh, comparison to the to that is Revelation one eight and seventeen. So the original reference is in Isaiah forty four six, and then a reference to Christ is in Revelation one verses eight and seventeen. There is no God First and last there is no God besides me. Okay, now someone would read Revelation 1, 8 and 17.
1: I am the Alpha of the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord. Who is and who was and who is become? Seventeen. And when I saw him, I thought I was the he did, and he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid, I am
0: the first and the last. So, Christ, in his glorified appearance to John, in the book of Revelation, directly quotes from Isaiah, where Jehovah God in Isaiah says, I'm the first and the last. And besides me, there is no God. Jesus says in Revelation 1.18, I'm the first and the last, directly Uh, correlating that he is Jehovah God of the Old Testament. So if you're looking for places where people might challenge you that Jesus ever claimed uh, to or is compared to the God of the Old Testament, there's a good place to to take them. So the beginning and the end, he used the alpha and omega, the first and last letters in the Greek alphabet, to point to what? What is he saying? What what does this term bring to mind? I'm the alpha and the omega he says he says it after but but I want to kind of flush it flush out the meaning a little bit beginning and end okay eternal okay he's the beginning and end of what maybe we could say <laughs> yeah johnny scott he's the beginning and end of everything you know if you think back To God, having always existed in his eternity, he existed alone. One God and three persons, perfectly whole, happy, having no needs whatsoever, he always existed. There was a time he did not exist, if your time can be used in that sense. So whatever beginning there is for us, or anything that exists outside of God, he is the beginning, he is the alpha. Not only that, but everything terminates or culminates in him and through his purpose. So the purpose of God in creating everything that has been created is to move along in successive ages of history as he unfolds it for us and then ultimately culminate in his greatest purpose of all, which is the the coming of Christ, the return uh, of our Lord for us, the resurrection of the dead, uh, and the enter into the eternities. And obviously, there are purposes of God beyond that, but for us, and we're speaking in terms of the creation that we know now, human history as it exists now, the determining, the, the uh, the, the terminus point of that is, is the, the resurrection and all the events that come into that. So he's the Omega in that sense. He is the beginning of the beginning. He's the end of the end. But he himself has no beginning and has no end. There's no end to God when the end comes, you know. We have a lot of ends. <laughs> you know, my my age ended because I entered into a new one. My job ended. My children ended in the sense that they grew up and no longer children. You know, there's a lot of beginnings and endings. You know, and and that's okay. That's good. With God, there's really no end. There are just points which He has determined that things will be. He's ever present.
1: Yeah. Expressions alpha omega beginning and end is also
0: intended to include everything in between them And I think that helps in my mind. I don't, we're all wired differently. Our circuits in our brain are wired a little bit differently. In my mind, I need to settle when I begin to contemplate God. I need something to land on, or I just circle, in, you know, and it's not comfortable at all for me. The place is just what you said that the expression beginning and ending or alpha and omega is to indicate.
1: Everything as far back as I can think, and everything
0: as far forward as I can think, even though it's unknown to us, except what God has revealed in His Word. But we know God has purposes for all eternity, forward speaking. His purpose did, as well as He's purposed what has come to pass so far. I can settle my mind in the fact that that's, that's all determined in and for uh, through God. I need to land. My mind needs to land like the airplane is, is flying around. It's going to run out of gas if it doesn't land. <laughs> All right, so the Lord described himself as uh, Alpha and Omega. And, and in the verse 2, uh, it said there in Revelation that that he was, or actually begins with is, who is, was, and is to come, which is another way of saying the same thing. Is, present, was, past, is to come, future so, um in every case, God is there. now I've already mentioned it, but it's something I think it's worth considering because it's uh it's just intriguing and fascinating when we consider the fact that God does not age He doesn't celebrate his birthday next next month november I'll be fifty two and um being fifty I know that's really old, isn't it, Tom? Is it- Right I know. I thought I'd hear from the right-hand side of the table when I <laughs> mean, when I mentioned it. I'd really usually, that usually, yeah. That's not old, you're baby. <laughs> There's no. always someone no. old. No. <laughs> well, it's kind of starting to feel that way. Let's put it like that. But nevertheless, uh, God doesn't celebrate a birthday. He doesn't mark off. To time in reference to himself with days and weeks and months and years. He doesn't deal in past and present and future like we do. We think of the past, we think of the present, which is this moment, we think of the future. But God is not in the past and the present and future from his own perspective. He created time for our benefit that he remembers outside of it. So there, there's no past, present, and future with God. There's no marking of days and weeks and months. Now, you know, we have to take that in a limited sense because in the Word, He reveals past events, present, and future. He, he speaks of He who was in eternity past. I, I believe it's an accommodation of language, you know. It has, he has to accommodate uh, that to our understanding. But we must recognize that he's, he's not marking off days on the calendar. You know, and does it doesn't say in Second Peter that a day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years as a day. It's not, I don't believe, trying to tell us that that's exactly how he marks off time. But it's telling us that it's just what we're learning here. That, you know, don't think of God as marking off a day or a week or a month or a year. You know, with him who is outside of it, it's ever-present.
1: Occasionally, I'll hear things on NPR that are are interesting to me. But they did a study on our perception of time. And this phenomenon that time seems to slow down for us if you fall or something like that, or everything just seems to be in slow motion. So they did a series of tests. If time indeed does slow down, then you ought to be able to actually see a speeding clock and be able to read them. So they tried to uh, recreate some of these experiences that cause time to perceptually to slow down. And this spinning clock, the, the, the subjects actually felt that sensation of time slowing down, but they could no more read a spinning clock because time wasn't slowing down. But what they learned was for whatever reason, their perceptive senses were picking up and were so much more of things. You know, you're, I had this sense of falling from my roof and I'm falling and I see this yeah. flower and I see a cat. And I, and so I began to think if in, in those times, you, you are gathering in much more information translate that to God the only way that he could be aware of everything going on past, present, and future in every space, point in space in the universe is that time does not move for him so that he can it, I, for some reason that kind of clicked with me
0: yeah.
1: if it's helpful for you <laughs> yeah,
0: it is because that's true. I've had that experience myself. I think a lot of us probably have, and uh, and so it is. You are able to gather more details about that moment in time, in those, and so uh, maybe in some sense, in the new creation, God will allow us in our immortal bodies to to gather more of that sense of of uh, you know the fullness of things that are going on around us at any moment.
1: And we miss so much because time for us is moving on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if the cat it's already gone and you know, i'm there, which is not okay that's okay but for god nothing escapes his view because in that sense nothing is not nothing's moving away from him in time or he doesn't have to try to remember what was there it's like i saw something there because he never moves out of this one eternal moment Kind of staggered our thoughts yeah. as if, as the size of the universe staggers our thoughts. Yeah. that's okay. Great things we can think about. Though, yeah. yeah,
0: glory be to God. Yeah.
1: So in, in heaven, will time
0: cease to exist? Is that what you're saying? Well, relative to now, I think for us, it it will. I I, I think no. I I think time for us will probably be. I mean, just guessing based on what I've got from Scripture. I, I haven't looked at what anybody else has said on it, so this is just an opinion, but I think, I think eternity will still have some mark off of time, sense of time for us, but it can't, it can't be the same as our present existence. It won't be to us a limitation, maybe, is the way to look at it. Only God is purely and wholly outside of time. Um, but the deterioration of the present world will not exist. You know, the sin of the present world will not exist. Our, our limitations, being mortals, will be gone because we'll be immortal. And so, whatever being an immortal means, that's how it will change for us. So, it'll be good, I promise, because God promised. <laughs> but I don't really know. Something to think about, about. I think I did hear one preacher somewhere along the way who looked into this thoroughly and felt comfortable in saying he felt like saying eternity was not a timeless future; it was marked off for us in some way to recognize. What has passed and what is ahead, but he defined it kinda of, like I said, just completely outside of our what we're accustomed to now. Time to us is not always a friend, you know. A uh, time it's time waste for no one, you know. I wish I could stop it, as Jay said. I can't do that. Maybe maybe we'll be able to to uh, have a sense that it's not our it's not our enemy anymore. Good. Well, God being free from succession of time means that there's no division in the way God thinks, and Jay helped us with, that, with the illustration that he gave. It's, it's just right there in front of him. It's, it's, all, it's all there. And, and so it's amazing to consider somebody who's lived forever and yet doesn't age. <laughs> God has lived forever, and, but he doesn't age. God is the same yesterday, today, tomorrow. Ever the same. So, you know, you a lot of people think of the, the, the gray-headed old man in the sky, you know, the grandfatherly type, because oh, he's lived forever, <laughs> but he doesn't age. What he always was, he is now, without diminishing whatsoever. What he is now, he will always be, without change or diminishing whatsoever. God doesn't need to learn, because he's all-knowing. God doesn't need to improve, because he's perfect. God doesn't need to mark off time, because he's eternal. And so, those things um, are amazing to consider, that he's he's not getting older. Uh, He hasn't learned anything. Now that sounds like a limitation, but it's not when you you knew everything that's knowable. If you said to me, Ron hasn't learned anything, you'd be saying, Ron is stubborn. <laughs> he hasn't learned anything, but with God, it's a perfection uh, that he cannot change. All right, and that's true of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? One God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're not going to take the time, but were we to do that, we could see where it speaks of uh, in Hebrews, the eternal spirit. Where Jesus is referred to in many places as he who existed before the world create, was created uh, he speaks in John seventeen the high priestly prayer uh, of he asked the Father in that prayer that he would uh, give him return him to the glory which he had with him before the world was created and so you have Father and Son in conversation there you have spirit so all all the members of the Trinity are equally. Uh, being, being God uh, eternal. And it's true. What is true of the Spirit, is true of the Son, is true of the Father. So that's an aspect that we haven't brought out now uh, just yet, but, uh, but it's true. Alright, think about this, as if we're not already thinking about enough. Romans 11.36 We see in Romans 11.36 that all things are from Him and through Him and to him I'm gonna just turn it and, and read it for from him and through him and to him are all things to him be the glory forever amen so it's a, kind of the doxology there to to Paul's uh, thoughts of God and his infinity so from him and to and I mean and through and to can you imagine a person Uh, Again, we can refer to God as a person. That's how He has revealed Himself—an infinite person. But can you imagine a person that's so great that He's the originator, the sustainer, and the culmination of all things that exist whatsoever? This creation was God's purpose, His idea, if you will. How it has unfolded is God's purpose. Holding it together by Him, specifically Christ, it says in the Colossians, all things consist, they, they hold together. And everything culminates in Him. He's the Alpha and the Omega. So every purpose uh, finds its terminal point in Him. And so. Now, Job 11, you don't have to turn here. I've got it written down for, but I, I'm giving you these scriptures so you can just kind of jot them down and maybe look at them later. Job 11, verses 7 to 9, says this about when, when, when God was contemplated Can you find out the limit of the Almighty? It's higher than the heaven. What can you do? It's deeper than Sheol. What can you know? Its measure is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. Can you find out the limit of the Almighty? And and uh, of course, the answer is no. God's not limited. And He's not limited with reference to time. He had no beginning and it will have no end. He's the first cause of all that exists. And were He to erase it all, we're confident He will not because He's revealed it in His Word. Right? Were He to erase it all, He would still exist at all. Well,. How does the eternity of God affect your thoughts of him? Just open up for a little bit of consideration. We already kind of talked about it, but how does it affect the way you think of God and your relationship to him? Being
1: eternal.
0: What's that? Him, trust his word. Why should we believe his word? He's eternal, he's the creator God, he's given us truth, and so that what he said will be. Yeah. A lot of deception in the world, right? That's the key tool of, of Satan, the deceiver. Uh, even in the church, he tries to deceive and often does, but. The word of God is eternal truth. Therefore, we can look to it and constantly be renewed in our mind, our thinking, and be sure that we've got that right because God has given to us straight <laughs> no deception. What about, you know, you mentioned trust. What about basing your life decisions on the things found and contained in the word of God? Mentioned trust for the future. I suppose there's a sense of that trust now for the future. What if you're not exactly sure? And I don't want to get too far into the will of God, but what if you're not exactly sure about a decision? You have a couple of three good choices, none of them contrary to the Word of God, the revealed will of God, but you're just really puzzled as to which way you should go. That's
1: all I do, I feel-
0: Okay. I agree with that. I do. And he will. But let's say, just for argument's sake, that you don't have that clarity. There's been times when I've asked that and the answer was not uh, as clear as I wish. In other words, I, was, I didn't have peace about it. I was not sure in my own mind which way to go among fairly equal choices. Is that okay? Why would that be okay? Why don't I have to know for sure before I take that step? Okay. All right. You're leaning on the eternal God who is doing what for you, Karen? What is he doing constantly? In you, yeah. watching over, yeah. unfolding by his providence. Yeah. So it's okay then, right? If I get, I don't have to always know ahead of time. What did Abraham know when God told him to get out of Ur, Chaldees, and you're going to go to a place that I'll tell you? Just start moving. Just obey for now, and I'll unfold the future for you as I see fit. else yeah. had? Well,
1: make yes, to yes. You
0: know, not the history history. John MacArthur one times he has a lot of, uh, obviously the Church of ten thousand and and the wide influence he has across the country and across the world, and he gets a lot of questions, and one of the questions he gets over and over and over is how do I know the will of God for my life, and basically through teaching scripture, he says this. This is a summary, not the way he put it from the beginning, but the end end result was people, people. (laughs) If you're a child of God and you aren't, you know, doing something that you know is against the will of God, just live, just do, just be the spirit of God who is in you, is directing and guiding your life. And that is the will of God. You are, the will of God is unfolding. And uh, a loving father can guide and direct and move us as he wills. There would be no excuse for laziness or no excuse not to think decisions through or anything of that nature, but but it takes the uh stress, I guess, and the worry out of oh, did I am I making the right decision? Is this the will of God? And that's what he was likening it to. You know, the fear that we might have as humans, fallen humans, That we're going against the will of God with this decision that we're making. Let's not do that, That's us not live like that. I don't believe it. That's what I meant earlier my face.
1: You know, I don't have to, you know, hear a word, you know, hear a you word, know, word. Usually we're having family and family members, that we can kind of throw those things out. Um, I mean, and, and again, sometimes, you know, i more clarity than you do, but at least they can help guide if you're
0: Definitely. Seek godly counsel. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Go back to Psalm 90, that begins with this great thought of God's eternity compared with the brevity of man. And yet, at the end, Moses, as an old man, still says, Bless the work of our hands. Now, does that have application to you? We don't know. We know God's in the future for us. We have to do things now. We work, we labor, and we can commit that and ask God to bless it, whatever continuation that, that work may mean. Because, again, we may be finite. Our days are passing away. But the things that we do, the work we do, particularly, that we serve God in our vocations, we really have to step beyond our So we can make decisions, we can do work. We have work to do today. Yeah. Yeah. That's just to ask God to establish the work in our hands, bless us in all these things. Then we may err, we'll make foolish decisions, or <laughs> and the goal is not always to make the best decisions. I once heard Tom Landry, the old football coach, said, you don't always have to make the best decisions to score a touchdown. The second best decision executed with enthusiasm would would be just as well.
0: I think that's probably the story of my life. It's the second best (laughs) with enthusiasm because God is patient and kind and gracious. Yeah, Exactly right. And that, again, takes that pressure off of us to be exact. And knowing ahead of time, everything, it's just, it's not possible for us to live knowing our future, nor should we, but as Jay said, asking God to to bless the work of our hands. And when we make those decisions that we obviously don't come out the way we wish or end up being a bad decision, there is grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of God if necessary. And he's a kind and gentle father with us to to direct us back to to the right path. It do is right. there.
1: Mm-hmm. Kind of, uh, yeah. kind
0: of <laughs> it is there. I think acknowledging it, as you have, is is the key for us. It's it's not we're not uh, the, the king of our own destiny. You know but not trying to discover the secret will of God. You know, Deuteronomy says that the secret things belong to the Lord our God, uh, but those things which are revealed belong to us and our children that we may abide by them. So acknowledging God's sovereignty is ever the ultimate purpose and, and cause and reality, while we can't discover that, though we can rest in that fact and then we can go ahead with our lives and, you know, as someone mentioned earlier, you know that God works all things. Fear has an immobilizing effect. It has it has the effect of, of it's it's akin to worry. Worry and fear go together, and it it has you know such a negative effect on us. It's it's actually a sin to worry, as the Bible, uh, fear. Not necessarily a sin, but fear that leads to that worry and that you know uh, crippling effect is 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 a sin. So we do have to to counter that in our thinking with, with trusting in God's eternity and sovereignty, and not fearing not only the future itself in general, but not fearing the decisions that we make uh, personally and collectively. Very very important to to be free from the. One of the greatest tools of the devil, which is fear. We're and God, you know, there's no perfect love does what? Casts out fear. And so that's that's what our renewed nature allows us to do. Jesus addressed
1: the time frames of tomorrow for us. And what did he say? Don't well, be anxious about tomorrow. Yeah, you know, there's nothing you can do about tomorrow. I mean, there are things you can do, decisions you make today, but according to the principles laid out in the scripture for wise living, godly living, you can't go to the Bible and say, am I supposed to marry Daniel Jones? Do I buy my, this house? Do I not? Do I leave this job? Do I... There, those answers are not in the Bible. All you have are principles for skillful living. And all the pages of the Bible. Proverbs. You know, those types of things. Uh, and for holy living. And you just have to make the wise decisions based on principles and not be anxious about tomorrow. Because all those tomorrows In a sense, in God's hand. And all you know is that His promises will not fail tomorrow. He will be there with you today and tomorrow. So you have to make those kind of decisions in time because we're in time. But you're not going to change the future in the sense that it's, it's God's, again, not in the in the present, saying, well, now, I'm not sure how this is going to work out, but I can probably figure out a plan B if he, if J chooses X, right? right? That's totally, I mean, that's open theism, which is a corrupt doctrine. It's a, it's a corruption of this doctrine of the uh, That's I'm not saying it's not it easy. is. I'm not saying it's not easy. it's that out. As right. someone said, it's simple, but it's not easy. Right,
0: that's true, and that's the challenge. You know, uh, exactly the challenge is is it, it's true, and we recognize that the, that is true, and that's how we should think. But then, when life comes up and against you, and you're in the thick of it. To remind ourselves of those things, and to exercise that, and to turn it over to God, who's who's got it in any way. But you know, in our thinking, we have to relieve that stress and tension from our lives, and uh, is is the challenge. You know, we have Why be anxious? About it? We may not have tomorrow. Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah that's right. Why be anxious? About it? Right. If you spend all your today worrying about tomorrow, you might not even get it tomorrow. That's that's true. I think that's And
1: I just think that. Remind us of the importance of the church and being yeah. a part of a praying church yeah. so that we can have others kind of and
0: support I was thinking that too, and you mentioned that earlier. I was thinking that all along because, I mean, you know, some people think that, well, I'm a Christian, I'm a saved, I have the Holy Spirit, you know, I, I can have communion with God. Well, you can have communion with God, and I, and I don't doubt, you know, the... The validity of, of that conversion if that's what you claim and live out but the necessity of the church, the necessity of the people of God, you know we are the body of Christ and there's no way that that we can be out there acting alone all the time, we are not meant to be alone, we're meant to have that community that Joni's mentioning that, you know I mean, isn't it great to go to your brothers and sisters and tell them what burdening your heart, what what you're asking God for, and they can join you and, and be praying. And, we you know, here's people that have been through this before, you know. I know you went through something like this. Can you, can you share some godly advice with me? I mean, that is what we, I must have that. And whether we recognize it or not, we all must have that. So, um, there's a couple of people that come to my mind right now that are, I'm convinced they're believers, but they've been out of church for a long time. And the reasons they give are valid. I mean they've been hurt, okay? People are people <laughs> and people do stupid stuff sometimes, all of us. But the fact that they were hurt and had a bad experience should not trump the fact that we're commanded in scripture to to be a uh, part of the body. How can you have communion with the saints if you're not with the saints? Well, all those things are good applications, are they not, of the eternality of God? There's a lot more you can think about, but my my point in bringing these particular attributes out is just to do that, just to kind of, you know, remind ourselves of the greatness of God, consider some of those things, consider some of the practical outcomes, and, and just, you know, hopefully encourage you for further, further study. Well, all right, praise God, from whom all blessings flow, well, let's go to him and, and uh, thank him. Father, we, we thank you for this time that you've privileged us to come together uh, as your people and to just consider who you are and your greatness, your infinity. Um, we know we don't spend near enough time in our busy lives considering these things. and Forgive us for that and guide us through this study and through others um, that we'll do in the future. To always be uh, cognizant of your greatness, of your power, of your eternity, that we might as your people praise you who are worthy, that we might set our affection upon you who are higher than the heavens, and it has been pleased to be present with every one of us at every moment. You never leave us, never forsake us, for that we are eternally grateful as we enter the second hour, Lord, let our minds be captured with your holiness, with your love for us, that you've demonstrated through Jesus Christ. And may we, as your people, respond appropriately, in both praise of our lips, the meditations of our heart, and the way that we live our lives. Grant us power and grace to be effective witnesses because our lives speak more than our words. Thank you for this church. Thank you for its leadership. Thank you that it is uh, an oasis uh, in the spiritual desert of the day that we live in. May that continue to be the case. In Jesus' name.